welcome to another NL full-time podcast. We've had FA Cup specials recently. This one's a bit of everything, really, um, by virtue of the fixture list, but we're predominantly going to focus on the last 32 of the FA Trophy. As a result of that, just 16 teams have progressed uh, to the final stages, and they're not the 16 that we might have predicted, that's for sure. Uh, there were a lot of shocks. We've got one National League game to cover and uh, a plethora of them in the National League North uh, and, and a fair few in the South as well. So we need a full squad today and that's pretty much what we've got or what we'll have very shortly. Um, first up, first with us today, uh, second or third week running and on a good run at the moment. Uh, we've got off the line blogs, Joe Pope. Hi, Joe. Hi, Rob. And hi to our listeners. Now, Joe's not too happy. I'm not too happy. Dickie, Joe said you wouldn't have been very happy about yesterday, but I looked and it was nil-nil. So, uh, welcome and explain why you wouldn't have been very happy about Telford's nil-nil. Well, it's a, a second successive nil-nil draw at home. Our, first, our fourth nil-nil draw at home of the season, our fifth nil-nil of the season, which sounds dreadful, doesn't it? You know, when you, when you, it, it, entertainment-wise, not great, but it took an unbeaten run of ours to 15 matches and we're fifth in the table. So I'm not complaining too much. Yeah. How uh, disappointment has changed from last season to this for Dickie. But enough of that, because with uh, with a broken heart as it is, Dickie, we don't cover Telford this season. <laughs> so uh, you know, we've, we've bigged you up there for, for all of 30 seconds. And I'm glad to say we've been joined by our third guest, making a team of four of us today, just as we need a, a strong squad. And uh, it's to talk about one of many cup sets, shocks, whatever you want to call it, in the FA Trophy fourth round. He's been on before. And, uh, well, on the face of it, he might have a similar story to tell us, but I reckon there'll be a few differences. Johnny Luter, commentator for Hampton and Richmond, who got through again by a penalty shootout. (laughs) Hello, Johnny, and welcome back. I, I understand you've touched down again. Yes, Rob, I've literally just got through the door of my flat <laughs> after touching down at Heathrow. Um, for those that may have remembered from the last time I was on, um, it was always my dream to fly and watch non-league football. And obviously drawing Hartlepool United, that very much came true. And I've just touched down in Heathrow this evening and I've joined you gentlemen here this evening. So thank you very much once again for having me. I am delighted, as I'm sure you can imagine. Absolutely. Sure we've ever, I'm not sure we've ever had a guest fly in specially, have we? This has got to be a bit. <laughs> exactly. That's the twist we're going to put on this one, that's for sure. Well, look, Johnny, catch your breath, because whilst we're going to heavily feature Hampton and Richmond's uh, trip to Hartlepool, we're just going to kick off one of the big shocks of the day, certainly one of the biggest shocks in terms of um, kind of league position, form coming into it and the scoreline itself on the day. Um, I went for the first time since uh, 2000, I think it was, 20 years ago, uh, 24 years ago, 2004, sorry, um, to Bishop Stortford. Um, and uh, they are, as everybody knows, at bottom of the National League North at the moment. Uh, and they took on Aldershot Town, of course, who've had a, a number of um, uh, giant killings themselves this season in the FA Cup. But I wanted to try and get to grips because we've talked about it. I'm not going to call it lazy journalism, but week in, week out on this podcast, we've talked about 
Bishop Stortford and, oh, they've lost again. They're bottom of the league. Well, they don't really want to be in that division. So I spoke to Mike Plume ahead of the game. And uh, Mike is the uh, head of media at Bishop Stortford. It's been an interesting season for Bishop Stortford. And I think you've shown a great deal of guts and character to get this far. Because let's just address the elephant in the room. You didn't want to go in the National League North, did you? No, I think that's fair. Um... It was, I think there was a misconception, um, particularly from some fans in the North, actually. It was us throwing our toys out the pram or whatnot. And I think we, we put an appeal in at the start of the season, merely because there, there were other teams perhaps further north or who would, particularly two clubs that would do less travelling, I think a thousand miles less travelling. And the financial implications are huge. It, I think something like sixty or £70,000 this year that we'll pay extra just in coaches alone before you start thinking about hotels. Um, and so that's been challenging and moreover a lot of our squad is based very locally and, and have young children and jobs um, so we've had almost a complete turnover and a lot of the positivity that we had from the squad last year we've lost most of that squad now so it's been really challenging for Steve and his staff to just try and get a squad together um, that's prepared to, to do the travelling and of course gel so um yeah, not so much we didn't want to be in the north, but we felt more naturally our place. For good practical reasons, I'm sure. And it must be contrasting at any any football club when you're top of a league and winning it one year and then find yourselves bottom the next. But uh, what do you put that down to? I mean, you've obviously listed a whole host of reasons why it's difficult. Is that largely why you think you find yourselves bottom at this stage? Yeah, I mean, there's no hiding that the, the standard is, is higher, much higher. Um, just from a personal point of view, I've seen some games in the National South, and I think the National North is, is a stronger, more robust league. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I think part, partly it is, it is a player thing. We haven't necessarily found a, an experienced squad, and a lot of we, what we come up against in this league is big, strong, and experienced. And uh, some game management from our point of view as well. A lot of games, I think I worked out this week, it was 20 points that we've dropped from winning positions, and even half of that back would see us out of the relegations spaces so it's, yeah. I think that's uh, if I remember right the very last game wasn't it 2-1 up with not too long left and lost 3-2 left on Tuesday yeah. night yeah against yeah. South Shields who, um, who like us were quite a, quite a young side actually um, and just showed a little bit more composure in that last 10 minutes and I think like, uh, like in any sport winning is a habit and losing is a habit and I think uh, getting across the line has just been a bit difficult but today's a bit of a free hit really for the players so uh, having beaten Ebbsfleet from the league above in the in the last round, um, who knows? Yeah, and that's the fascinating thing about this tie. It's the flip for Aldershot, and that's I'm sure something that uh, Steve Smith and um, you know his, his, his management team have been focusing on, bringing Aldershot down right back down to earth today after West Bromwich Albion away last week. Yeah, of course it's it's going to be challenging for them. It's a, it's a very different environment. Um, but we, we know Tommy and, and Hugo well, um, and they won't allow complacency from Aldershot, I'm sure. Um, but at the end of the day, it's 11-11 it's and, and a battle, and we'll see what we can do. Well, that was Mike, and uh, listening to his story of just how difficult things are for Bishop Storford, um, I can only say, if anything, it's slightly increased my confidence that Aldershot would be all right. They probably needed to score the first goal, and then they'd be OK. Well, I had that chance in the fifth minute. Jack Barham could have dinked uh, Giddens in the uh, Bishop Stortford goal. But uh, Giddens got something on it. Uh, Bishop Stortford went down the other end. And uh, a chap called Kane Critchlow put them ahead. Kane Critchlow 
um, went on to score five goals in the game as Bishop Stortford incredibly scored with all six of their shots on target uh, and kept all the shot down to just one through substitute Lauren Tolage in the second half. Um, what a come down for Aldershot Town. What an experience, even just from my point of view. Six days earlier, I was at the Hawthorns at West Prom, watching the shots play there. And here they were, getting an absolute pasting from a team bottom of the division below. Full credit to Bishop Stortford. And after the game, as regular listeners will know, I've spoken to many strikers who've scored hat-tricks against Aldershot. This one, a midfielder that scored five. Kane, Bishop Stortford have progressed and somehow or other you stood there with the, the match ball and five goals. I believe you were on a couple going into today, weren't you? Um, just to try and sum up a crazy afternoon and how, how much fun that was. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, the boys did well. I think we matched them very well, especially them being in a higher league than us. Um, you know, all the goals that I scored were set up very well by my teammates. And, you know, hopefully we can continue this style of play for our next, you know, league game. Is it fair to say that when you're struggling as you have been in the league, when the cup comes along, it's a lovely bit of escapism? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a nice escape, you know, it's not as much pressure put on you. You're not thinking about, you know, points and where you are on the table. So I guess, I guess, I just feel like we play with a lot more freedom tonight than usual. Now, there's some very big clubs gone out uh, today, uh, Hartlepool, Oldham, Chesterfield, for an example. So a lot of the teams left in the final 16 will, will feel they've got their own chances. Are there any uh, teams elsewhere in non-league uh, in your division or the one above that uh, you'd, you'd quite like a, a draw against? Um, not really. Like, you know, I just I play each game as, as they come. Um, I don't really worry about my, who my opponent is. I just, you know, try to show up on the day as much as possible. Now, I don't know if I got my information right here, but were you playing in a Greek league recently? Yeah, last season. Last season? Yeah, it was it was all right. Yeah, yeah Super League 2. Um, our team didn't do too well there either, but, you know, it was a different experience, different country. Nice weather, though, but, you know, it was a good experience, though. <laughs> but you take five goals over nice weather any week, yeah? Yeah, yeah exactly. And that was Kane Critchlow. Enough from me, Joe. Just a quick word from you. I don't, I don't think you could believe what was happening as those goals were flying in yesterday, could you? No, I was. Uh, I was listening to the uh, Hereford uh, radio uh, for their game yesterday against Torquay, uh, and the commentator in that one said, "We've got to go to the game at Bishop Stortford, um, but there's been a goal." Um, and the uh, commentator from the Bishop Stortford game says, "Well, there's actually been four of them." And I was expecting to hear of Aldershot getting off to their usual ways. But, yeah, not to be. Um, and I suppose that is football, isn't it? You know, as you said, a week ago, you were at the Hawthorns, loving life, tear in your eye. Well, you had tears in your eyes on Saturday as well, but because it was so poor, by all accounts. And our, our biggest predicament now, really, as Bishop Stortford have to take the headlines, don't they? Um, is the title of this podcast, and we're going to call it, as Dickie's just suggested, Five Strokes of the Cane. Uh, a simple one would be Shots Caned, or even maybe Bish, Bash, Bosh. We'll decide, uh, and eventually as this podcast comes out, you'll see which one we did go for. Uh, anyway, enough of that, because there were so many shots. There were 16 ties in the last uh, 32 match, obviously. Um, and uh, I think there were upsets, unlikely results in eight of them. 
half of them. Um, probably somewhere near the top of that list, Johnny, has to be your side, Hampton and Richmond. Admittedly, you got it done by penalties, but when you got to book your flight up to Hartlepool, you look forward to a big day out, and I don't suppose you travelled with too many hopes of Hampton and Richmond progressing. No, I mean, well... <laughs> You say that, Rob, but I must admit, going into the game, Hartlepool United um, weren't in the best run of form, to be fair. Uh, The caretaker manager there, Lenny Lawrence, um, has only just recently uh, taken over from John Askey, who was sacked at the end of December. So I had possibly a a glimmer of hope, if you you want to say. But um, yes, of course, I mean, whenever you're going to come across... Um, a team in the team in the division above you, um, you know, you, you're obviously going in thinking, well, this is almost a free hit for us. You know, it's the odds are stacked against us here. Um, but perhaps I did come into the game, yes, with a little bit more hope as opposed to Southend United, who we host, who we uh, where we went to Roots Hall not too long ago in in the last round. Um, but yeah, you know. It was yeah. I, I think with just that little glimmer of hope, but it, but yeah, it was it was great. It was great to be up there and uh, well, as you as you know, we we won on penalty shootouts and uh, we we did it again. Hampton and Richmond have done it again. Just quickly, uh, Johnny. Um, obviously, we talk about the shootout in just a minute. On the balance of the game itself, um, was nil nil the right result? I think it was. I think it was, yes. But I must admit, from watching the game, Hartlepool United had the majority of the possession and had the better shots and opportunities on goal. Um, but Hartlepool United just couldn't finish their chances. They just weren't clinical enough. Um, and Hampton and Richmond defended superbly, which allowed them to get to the end of 90 minutes at nil-nil still. Um, so I think on balance, it has to be said... A nil-nil was fair enough, but you know Hampton and Richmond had to work so hard um, to keep a clean sheet right to the very end there. And Hartlepool United will be bitterly disappointed that they didn't manage to get a goal because they did have their opportunities, but they just couldn't take them. Um, the, uh, and onto the, friend- the uh, onto the penalty shootout, Johnny. Uh, last time we had the uh, the pleasure of being able to play out your commentary. Well, unfortunately, Tom Lang hasn't sorted that out for us this time. We'll forgive him. Um, just take us through how the penalty shootout panned out. Yeah, I mean, well, again, as I'm sure you can imagine, my heart was absolutely racing like last time. Um, Hampton and Richmond um, finished the penalty shootouts four goals to two. Um, started off very strongly, Alfie Whittingham converting the first penalty. Um, but then the first penalty taker for uh, Hartlepool United, Nicky Featherstone, the captain, uh, was saved by Adam Desbois, our, goal, our goalkeeper. It went straight down the middle and straight to the top. And Adam Desbois doing what he does best and saved it, which gave us a one goal advantage very early on. And then the next two penalties uh, for Hampton and Richmond, we managed to convert as well. Um, sadly, uh, Jake Gray, our captain, an ex-Hartlepool United player, of course, uh, uh put the ball wide over the top of the bar. Um, but it was um, Hartlepool United that then missed their third penalty, I believe it was. It went wide and then it allowed Ben Seymour, our number nine, to convert the fourth penalty to send us through to the fifth round of the FA Trophy. It was um, 
a much, if I had to say, an ever so slightly calmer affair as we had a two goal advantage at the end there. So I was ever so slightly calmer, but I still needed to pick myself up up, up off the floor because, uh, yeah, when it comes to penalty shootouts, as you as you will know, it could go either way. But again, Hampton and Richmond, it went in their favour. Fantastic stuff. We'll have a little look at the end of this roundup of who is left in. I want to come to each of Joe and to uh, Dickie uh, about one or two of the other games. Joe, coming to you uh, first, where do you want to start? Um, do you want to get it out of the way? Yeah, we might as well get the therapy out of the way. Um, yeah, talking out the FA Trophy, um, as expected, to be honest, you know, I called it when the draw was made. Um, credit to Hereford. By all accounts, they were far the better team. Um, two goals for them. Um, a lovely goal from Tom Pugh. A free kick into the top left-hand corner. Um, the fact that Scunthorpe were able to get rid of a player like that and not need him shows you how good their squad is. Um, and then a goal from Yusuf Cisse uh, from the penalty spot. Um, but it, yeah, it was a, a poor afternoon for Torquay, um, which started off with our new signing uh, tearing his hamstring. After six minutes, he only signed at two o'clock uh, and by 3.06, he was uh, on his way down the tunnel uh, and on the treatment table. So, uh, yeah, not to be, but uh, well done to Hereford, uh, who continued to go great guns. Yeah. And uh, Dickie, uh, switching over to you again, your pick of the games you're going to talk about yesterday. You have to go really with uh, the exit from the competition of the National League leaders, Chesterfield, um, although there is... Uh, a story behind this one. Chesterfield uh, fielded a, a pretty young side yesterday. I think they were almost exclusively players from the youth team. Whether they'd have been able to do that in a league fixture, I don't know because uh, I, I think you know these uh, to play in a league fixture that has to actually be re- uh, uh, ratified by the league, and whether they'd been able to do so, I don't know. But that was the choice they made as a signal of just how many youth teamers they were. The starting 11, the shirt numbers on the back of them added up to 501 in total. So I think you're thinking about players in the squads wearing numbers 30, 40, 50, that kind of thing. So that shows you how far down the pecking order at Chesterfield they were. But we shouldn't take away from the fact that Welling um, were the victors in that game. Rather than talking about Chesterfield, it's Welling um, who uh, earned the right to, to go forward by winning that game two goals to nil. Uh, they had goals in the first, oh no, actually in the second half. David Kamara um, with the first goal and uh, Enoch Mwange with the second. And uh, yeah, credit to Welling. Clearly, Chesterfield have signalled where their interest lies this season, which is making sure they get promoted. Um, but, you know, if that works to Welling's advantage and allows them to progress in the competition, then that's great news for them. Yeah, staggering, really. I, I saw so many shocks yesterday. One of them I didn't even cast my eyes onto until today. I suddenly spotted it and messaged Joe about an hour ago. Um, Joe, Avely won, filed nil. If we were predicting shocks, this is one that we might just have predicted. But nevertheless, still a great achievement for Avely. Yeah, I mean, AFC filed, you know, down near the bottom. 
of the National League and Avery are going well in the National League South, but it is a shock. Um, but Avery, they seem to have turned it around of late. Um, quite a few squad changes. I see they registered one of their academy products in the team. He was named on the bench. Uh, and former Torquay midfielder Chris Regis uh, was also on the bench uh, yesterday for Avery. And uh, yeah, good win for them. 1-0. One, one uh, Nana Kay with the goal. And um, yeah, they're through. Uh, to the next round. Yeah, good stuff. Dickie, um, leaving sort of some of the upsets aside, perhaps an up, perhaps one that went the opposite way to what we might have predicted, but it was between two sides in the same division. And that was Kidderminster under new management, under new director of football ship. Um, Messrs. Uh, Phil and uh, Dean involved um, and they got it done against Altrincham, and yeah, they got a draw and they won on penalties. But my goodness me, progression in the FA Trophy! What a start! Indeed, I mean, uh, I think we recorded the podcast just slightly too late last week um, to pick up on the news that Russ Penn had lost his job as manager of Kidderminster Harriers. Um, he departed on Sunday evening, um, and then I think it was on Wednesday that the club announced that they'd appointed Phil Brown. Um, whose most recent management job has been at Barrow. But I think people tend to remember him most for his managerial spell at Hull City. And dare I say, uh, electric to the, on the pitch to the players, 4-0 down at Man City at half-time was probably, I don't know, not his finest hour, but maybe was his finest hour, I don't know. But yes, he's in charge at Kidderminster now. Uh, first game for them. Uh, against Altrincham, and although it ended nil-nil after 90 minutes, Kidderminster did manage to get the job done on penalty kicks. Um, there was a miss from Chris Con-Clark from Altrincham. I'm not sure many people would have predicted that. He was first up for them. Um, Goldon Mateo missed Kidderminster's fourth kick, um, which brought it back to 3-2. But then there was a miss from Lewis Banks for Altrincham, which meant Jack Lambert from Kidderminster took the fifth kick, converted it, and Kidderminster progressed 4-2. And I look forward to uh, seeing how Phil Brown and Dean Holdsworth are getting on um, next weekend when uh, Aldershot to visit uh, Agborough, which I think, no, they don't play in midweek, Kidderminster, nor do Aldershot. So that will be Phil Brown's first league game back in charge. Ironically, it's not too many weeks ago. He sat two places away from me in the media box at Aldershot commentating uh, on uh, one of the games there. And we only said a brief hello on that day, but... Uh, I'll, uh, I'll try and get word from him next week if I can. Um, just flipping back to you, Johnny, and we'll get Joe to contribute on this as well. Um, a couple of National League South sides that played National League Premier sides. Um, Chelmsford took on Wealdstone at home and Hereford, uh, I beg your pardon, uh, Bromley uh, took on Chippenham. Um, one of those games, Johnny, you want to make a comment on and we'll go to Joe on the other? So... Forgive me, sorry, because I was just uh, I was just looking at my fop mob app here, looking at which ties we had. Would Would you mind just repeating those games for me? Because I was I was actually keep, the one I was going to mention was the Bath City Colville Town game. Yeah, okay. Well, you fire away with that one, and we'll come to Joe on the other two. Okay, I know Joe. Joe might have a point on that one as well. So, I mean, the, I mean, Bath City, Bath City, obviously flying really high in the uh, Vanarama Nationally South, but. Um, uh, a friend of mine was at that game and Bath City would appear all over Colville Town. Um, and I believe they had a penalty in the uh, in the first half. And it was 
Um, and it well wasn't converted by Scott Wilson. I think the chat was for Bath City. Um, and and yeah, Colville Town just defending really, really well to see them through the whole 90 minutes. And then it just comes down to the penalty shootout. And obviously, when it comes to a penalty shootout, you could you could argue arguably say that it could go either way, really. And just that afternoon, it went in favour of Colville Town and Bath City bow out at that stage, which is which I'd say is a bit of a shock, really. It is a bit of a shock. Notts County and one other team I can't think of have both been beaten by Colville in cup competitions in recent years. Dickie, you had a point to make on this one as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I see Colville with them being a Southern Premier Central side and they went, they were, they were so close to being a National League side. They lost out on the title in the Southern Premier Central on goal difference on the last day of last season. And then I think possibly as a result of that, lost out in the playoffs. They're having a very indifferent season this season, but they do still have a lot of quality in their side. Um, I think it was Ashley Chambers who put away the penalty, but they've got players who were operated at National League North, certainly, and above in the likes of Chambers. Andy Thanodge, who um, I think has been at both Boston um, and just trying to think of another club in the middle. I don't know if he might not have also been at Alfredton. I can't quite remember, but they've certainly got a lot of quality in there. So, um, but yeah, they've clearly had to be very dogged to get through to a shootout. But um, yeah, when it goes to those uh, kicks from the penalty spot, it's it's absolutely anybody's game. And Joe, over to you. Any further comments on that one? And then just take us through uh, those south against. Premier sides, if you like, Chelmsford against Wealdstone um, and uh, Chippenham, who visited Bromley. Yeah, just a couple of points on the bath Colville game. Um, Dickie uh, was reading my notes, uh, which I've got in front of me, uh, but I did make a note that Ashley Chambers scored the goal. I don't want to admit that he scored twice last season to knock Chesterfield out in the FA Trophy away from home. Uh, that was the team you were thinking of, Rob. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a Pretty wretched week for, for Bath. Um, they lost Will Boos uh, to a broken finger uh, this week. Uh, they lost Ewan Clark to a recall to Bristol City. And uh, another Bristol City lad, uh, Jose Casagrande, had to take uh, a debut uh, and obviously had a penalty shootout uh, in his first game uh, as they bow out. Um, but yeah, the other two games, um, if I was going to pick a potential upset out before... Saturday, I would have gone for Chelmsford. Um, you know, Wildstone with their indifferent away form, Chelmsford in good form themselves. So uh, Stuart Maynard will be really pleased with that one, the fact that they managed to get through relatively unscathed. Goal from Tavon Campbell uh, there. And then Bromley Chippenham, um, I did uh, listen uh, to Andy Woodman's interview after the game uh, in that one. He wasn't too complimentary of his own side, said that the game was pretty boring and that they didn't play very well. Um, but they got the job done in the end. Ben Crowhouse, uh, he seems to be on the score sheet every week now. Uh, he got their goal before a goal from Craig Fazenmaida uh, for Chippenham. Uh, but it was Bromley that managed to get through. Teddy Sharman Lowe, he was given a, a, a rare run out in goal for Bromley, and he made a couple of smart saves to get Bromley through. Good stuff. Dickie, flipping back to you. Peterborough Sports have been going well in the National League North of late and they took on uh, Horsham, obviously from a lower level, but no strangers themselves to cup shocks this season, of course. Uh, and Peterborough Sports come through that one uh, uh, with some ease. 
Yeah, they did, and it'd be pretty hard to uh, outdo the exploits of Kane Critchlow, but Mark Jones of Peterborough Sports went close to that, really. He got a hat-trick in that game. Um, I think it's his first ever hat-trick for the club, or I don't think he's got that many of them at, at 34 years of age. And it's matched Peterborough Sports' furthest ever progress in the FA Trophy. So uh, they've gone further in this than they ever have. And, you know, if they get a, a favourable draw... Um, then who's to say that they can't go further? But uh, yeah, they're, they're doing quite nicely under under Michael Gash um, and uh, and Luke Steele down there. And uh, for Horsham, well, it wasn't to be uh, any kind of repeat of their FA Cup heroics. And uh, if you thought probably of me at all yesterday, you thought, oh, poor old Rob commentating on uh, shot getting a paste in, conceding six goals. It was a lot worse than that, chaps. I was also presenting the radio show for the afternoon and going round the grounds. And the, uh, the, the BBC Sussex and Surrey area had an absolute stinker, with the one exception of uh, a side who'd gone second in the National League South. We'll come to them in our National League South roundup. But Aldershot took a paste in. Horsham were well beaten early on in that one too. Farnham and Cobham we were keeping up to date. Both of them were in the FA Vars. Both of them went out as well. And then elsewhere uh, in the uh, the Midlands or the, the North Midlands or whatever you might call it, um, on the edge of the uh, Peak District, uh, Mark White's Dorking Wanderers had uh, gone up to Macclesfield. Um, and at one stage, they were just trailing. And I think Harrison Mayle saved a couple of penalties, one of which was followed up on the rebound. But there came a point midway through the second half whether it was a battle to see which side was going to lose more heavily out of Aldershot and Dorking. Um, in the end, uh, it was Macclesfield 5, Dorking Wanderers 0. Um, and uh, uh, quite a staggering scoreline. Um, Dickie, you're probably closest to Macclesfield of all of us. Um, they are in step three now, football, of course. It was the Mark White and Robbie Savage derby, wasn't it? Any more on that one? Yeah, I mean, Macclesfield are... Oh, oh newly promoted to step three uh, this season, but they are certainly uh, got their eyes on trying to go straight through the division. I think we've mentioned that the previously bef- that had they have Alex Bruce as their manager now, although he is, I think, something like their second or third manager this season. Um, yeah, it was a, a, a fairly one-sided affair there. Tunde Owalabi got uh, Macclesfield on the board there, and then Alex Curran, He's a former National League North player, having been at Curzon Ashton. I think he was at Stockport County as well. He got the second. Owalabi then got the third goal on the hour. Uh, there was a goal for Paul Dawson. He made it 4-0. There was then a red card. Luke Moore of Dorking got sent off. Already 4-0 down, 69 minutes. And Luke Duffy uh, added a fifth almost immediately after that red card. Um, to make it a very comfortable passage for Macclesfield's side. And, uh, yeah, an episode of uh, a bunch of amateurs that um, might not be particularly edifying viewing. No, that's right. And uh, that second penalty save from Harrison Mayle uh, uh, meant that the aforementioned uh, striker beginning with O didn't complete his hat-trick. <laughs> yeah, well, Sorry, I think I... a small small wins on the day, isn't it, really? I mean, I suppose Harrison Mayle... Um, has, has at least got those that he can um, look back on with with some sense of pride. But after conceding five goals, probably not an awful lot. Mark White afterwards, as always, was very honest. He gave huge credit to Macclesfield. And he said it's very important that people understand both 
things happened. Dorking had a terrible game and Macclesfield were superb. And he described it as the worst result in the club's history. So uh, with injuries as well to Fuller and more being sent off, things are not going to get any easier for Mark White's men. We've just about covered them all, but there's one other big shock we haven't uh, touched on yet. And, uh, well, the team that got the victors, we don't cover, and that's Hendon. But, uh, Joe, Oldham, despite putting out a pretty strong side, managed to lose at home to Hendon from uh, step three? Yeah, a bit of a shock, um, certainly to say that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm delighted for... For, for Lee Allenson at Hendon, had him on the blog before, um, and it looked as if all their hard work was going to be undone right at the end. Um, obviously, uh, they conceded, uh, sorry, they, they went ahead in the second half through Joe White uh, and then conceded right at the end, uh, James Norwood uh, scoring the penalty in the 93rd minute, and it looks as if Hendon would have to regroup and try and win it uh, on penalties, but uh, Hendon managed to win it through uh, Nico Muir, uh, formerly of Hampton and Richmond, obviously that Johnny would have seen play before. And and, uh, and, and, and formerly of Hartlepool, who Johnny saw <laughs> play yesterday, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it was a brilliant day. Obviously, it was a, a real family occasion for, uh, for Lee Allenson. Obviously, his dad, Ian, uh, alongside him in the dugout and his son, Luca on the bench as well. So, uh, yeah, really good win for them as uh, they march on uh, representing the Southern League. One side from the National League who put out um, a much-changed side but came through with flying colours was Solihull Moors, who progressed with a number of former academy youngsters in their side, a couple of them getting on the score sheet as well. Uh, And Barnet progressed too. Uh, 2-1 away at Ratcliffe. And that just leaves the one game to touch on, uh, Dickie, with you, doesn't it? Hythe against Chorley. Uh, Hythe, one of two step four sides that had reached that stage, weren't they? But uh, I think Chorley just about scraped through, didn't they? Yes, they did. It was um, they they uh, had a winning hand with a couple of jacks in it yesterday. Surely, uh, Jack Hazelhurst and Jack Sampson were on target for them. Uh, Hazelhurst equalising Hythe, um, having taken the lead through Jake Embry, but he equalised that goal before half time. And then, yeah, Jack Sampson added that one, uh, a winner in the second half. That was a a real long journey down there. Hythe is not far from Folkestone. Um, I don't imagine there's been many Chorley games where um, you could take a look out to see and almost see France, to be perfectly honest. But, uh, yeah, they got the job done yesterday. And uh, Andy Priest's side, we know they're going well in National League North and they're also making good progress in the trophy. And uh, there was nearly, or there could have been a shock as well, at Gateshead. Of course, they're just really trying to settle down again after losing quite a a lot of players. Uh, Denanga on the score sheet for them as they led 2-1 against 10 men um, Western Supermare late on. But Western Supermare, Dickie, they got to a pretty late equaliser, didn't they? And then ultimately that one went to, went to penalties too. Yeah, this one went back and forth, this game yesterday. Um, as you mentioned there, uh, Marcus Denanger on the score sheet. Um, Dale Grubb, it was, who put Western Supermare uh, into the lead after just two minutes. And the, the other goal of the first half came right at the end of 
it an equaliser from uh, Louis Story. So 1 1 at half time. Denanga then scored straight after half time to make it 2 1. Robbie Wilmot of Western Supermare was sent off after 57 minutes and at 2 1 down and down to uh, 10 men for the remaining half an hour. It probably wasn't looking too hopeful for them, but Lloyd Humphreys scored a 93rd minute equaliser to take it to penalties. Now, how many times does this happen that scorers who scored from open play during the game then can't convert from the penalty spot? There were two of them yesterday. Grubb missed the first penalty for Western Supermare. Gates had then put three consecutive penalties away before Marcus Denanga missed their fourth. But there was another miss in there for Gateshead as well. They missed their fourth penalty. And although I haven't got the, uh, the, the name of the scorer of the fifth Gateshead penalty here, they went through 4-3. Um, after, uh, yeah, a bit of a seesaw tie and probably, um, dare I say, a more difficult tie than maybe some Gateshead fans might have imagined they'd get out of Western Supermare. Um, a hell of a long journey up there, but they've um, almost pulled it off, taking it to penalties. They can be quite proud of their efforts, I would have thought. Well, I haven't got it up, but I'd love to have a look at the betting odds for the FA Trophy now. Some very, very big Size went out yesterday and a number had gone out in the previous round too. Staggeringly, there are just six National League, Premier, if you like, clubs left in the final 16. So, Johnny, back to you. You know who the other 15 teams are. Where do you want to go this time? <laughs> well, I think I've done my lovely little away day up to the northeast. So I think possibly this time I might want to keep it a little bit closer to home. Um, But for me, I think now Hampton and Richmond are at this stage, I think Hampton and Richmond are in a position where we really want to push on and go as far as we can in the competition. I would quite like to face a lower league opposition. Uh, So Hendon, I think for me, sticks out. But I say that, but you have to say, well, look at what Hendon have done uh, this weekend it, you know, it could it, it could go either way. But I think for me, this time, now in this far in the competition, you want to try and, if you can, get a lower league opposition. So I think it has to be Hendon for me. Yeah, there's a few. There's quite a reasonable chance of you getting a side at the same level, whether, whether they be from uh, the north or the south, of course. You could get Avely or Bishop Stortford or Hereford off the top of my head. Um Joe, Dickie, uh, any thoughts uh, on the teams that have made it through to the last 16? And um, this might be a bit of a tough question for you both, but have either of you got a hunch who might win it? I I, I know they scraped through yesterday, but i got a funny feeling for uh, Gateshead myself. Um, yeah, I mean, that'd be nice. Um, obviously, because they lost last year in the final. Um, so it'd be nice for them to go uh, further. Um I don't know why I've got a funny feeling that Bromley might get the second win under uh, Andy Woodman. Um, obviously, he's already beaten Wrexham uh, in a final, whether he'd uh, go and win again at Wembley. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all the teams left now will feel they've got a good chance that they can go and win it. So, yeah, it'd be very, very open from here on in. I think potentially one factor with the trophy might be um, what are the competitions that, that teams are in contention for. I, mean, I did manage to very quickly find the odds there, having you having mentioned them, Rob. Um, obviously, shortest price, Barnet, Bromley and Solihull at three, four and six to one. But, you know, those sides are all in playoff contention. 
So might they get to a stage of the competition where they decide that they might, you know, choose to prioritise the league and, and, and field a weakened side? You know, you've got Gateshead and Wheelstone in there. Uh, Kidderminster. Kidderminster are actually a longer price than Macclesfield, who is step three. Um, Mac, um, you know, a step three side, and they're only sixteen to one, whereas Kidderminster are twenty. Hampton are only twenty as well. As well, I mean, I have to say, for the sake of Johnny, and also because we know Tom so well, that it would be lovely to see them progress. Um, but maybe, possibly, Wealdston. That would be a nice story. Not too far from Wembley either. Um, so yeah, that 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 would be a nice one for me. And our producer Luke Edwards, who's uh, listening in the background like myself, has a little bit of a hunch for Gateshead. Right, let's uh, swiftly turn our attention to the one game in the National League that was played on uh, Saturday. And it was an opportunity for Eastleigh to move into the playoff positions or just outside them at the very least. Um, but they couldn't take it. Joe, they came up against South End, and a uh, player you love to wax lyrical about uh, was the difference between the two sides from the penalty spot. Yeah, a good win for Southend um, against a team in Eastleigh who they'll be likely competing against uh, in and around the playoff places come the end. Um, rare to see Eastleigh not get on the score sheet in a game. Um, so that just speaks volumes of Southend defensively. Um, to note that uh, Marcus Dacker's made a debut for Southend after signing uh, in the week and that uh, Adam Crother, who signed... Uh, on transfer from Kings Lynn Town. He uh, was included in the match day squad. Good stuff. we better check up on that one. I would have said that would be Crowther, not Crowther. What do we reckon, Dickie? Do you want to be the deciding factor on that one? Adam Crowther, as I understand it, yeah. Adam Crowther, that's all right. No worries. No worries. That's all right. We're all standing corrected for one time or another, Joe. Um, we're going to take a look then now at the National League South. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply doesn't work. Even a quick look of a quick reply affects your concentration and makes you less able to react to hazards. If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. So, Joe, starting with you, we nearly always start with Yeovil. We can't. We don't need to. They didn't play. They were due to play Avely, and that one was called off because of Avely's involvement in uh, the FA Trophy. So that meant that just behind them, uh, Worthing had an opportunity to try and close that uh, rather large gap, didn't they? Yeah, and uh, they did. They closed the gap with uh, a good win on the road, a comeback win for them. Uh, it was Truro that took the lead through Tyler Harvey. Um, he scored on the half-hour mark. Um, but Worthing, they, they managed to uh, turn it on uh, in the second half, especially uh, goals from Danny Cashman, a brace from him, and two more goals from Ollie Pierce. Um, and that's a really good win for Worthing because Truro's pitch is one of the tougher pitches in the National League South. Um, and for their crisp passing game, uh, Worthing showed that they can... Uh, mix it with anybody. Uh, good win for them. And uh, I thought Paul Watton uh, listened to his post-match thoughts and I thought he was very uh, level-headed afterwards. He said, we're not going to get uh, too over the top with a defeat like that because we don't get too high when we win like that. So, um, yeah, good win for Worthing and they close the gap. They certainly do. So, 
they closed the gap to 13 points. Worthing now on 46, which is the same as your own Hampton and Richmond, Johnny, with a slightly better goal difference. You'll have been pleased that the next game I'm going to come to you because uh, early on, and certainly at half-time, I think, it looked as if Maidstone were going to go and leapfrog Hampton and Richmond and pull three points clear. But by the end of the game, away to Haven and Waterlooville, they didn't pick up any. Tell us the story of that one. Well, just look, looking at that game, I mean, Haven and Waterlooville obviously having a torrid time at the bottom of the table, but it was the man, Ryan Seeger, obviously ex-Dorking Wanderers, uh, that managed to get the brace there to give them the three points to... Uh, get them three vital points to try and lift them off the bottom there. And obviously I believe it's now Dover Athletic that are now rooted to the bottom. And obviously Maystone United, um, a, a sad moment for them to not get three points themselves to close down on the mighty Hampton and Richmond. But obviously Maystone United are still in the FA Cup as they play uh, Ipswich Town uh, in the fourth round. So possibly you could say their eyes are slightly averted towards the FA Cup than the league at present. But obviously, Maystone United will be hoping to go straight back up. So really, they can't really afford to drop any points at the moment. But again, really good win for Haven and Waterlooville. Last time I was on this podcast, I did say that I thought Haven and Waterlooville really looking like they were going to be going down. But they have managed to turn it around of late. They've managed to get the points points on the scoreboard there. So Perhaps this could be the great escape for having and Waterlooville. Well, as it stands, they're still nine points off of safety. And that's a position occupied by Taunton Town, who have three games in hand on having and Waterlooville. So the situation's probably worse than the actual points difference itself. Uh, flipping back uh, to you, Joe, and talking about two of those teams in the bottom four next, Taunton and Dover, both so desperate for a win. But neither of them got it, did they? No, and it will be uh, really disappointing uh, for Rob Dre at Taunton. Um, obviously, through everything they're going through off the pitch, um, that's the sort of game where they would have targeted that they should really be getting three points. Uh, but Dover managed to find a way to get something from it. George Nikaj, uh scored in the second half. Uh, after Chamberlain had given Taunton the lead. A uh, couple of uh, new players for Taunton. I see they signed two uh, from Bristol City who made their uh, debuts. Uh, Marley Rose and Zach Bell uh, from Bristol City. Um, Zach Bell having obviously been at Yeovil Town earlier in the season. Um, so they uh, continue to rebuild their squad amid financial insecurity. Uh, but uh, only a point for them. Yeah, and we mentioned earlier Welling, of course, Welling United, who were were uh, doing their own giant killing themselves against Chesterfield in the FA Trophy. They uh, are the other team in the bottom three. Eastbourne Borough still sit uh, on 24 points. But, uh, Joe, I know you're hopeful for their improvement under Adam Murray, a manager that uh, you certainly have high uh, opinion of. They apparently, by all accounts, put in one of their best performances of the season in the first half yesterday and actually led against St Albans. But it, it was a familiar foe at National League South level that got the winning goal in that one for St Albans. Yeah, so Sean Jeffers back on the score sheet, a uh, goal for him as they managed to turn it around. And uh, yeah, for Adam Murray, I think that kind of tells the tale of just how difficult it's going to be. You know, they have one of their best halves of the season, maybe the, their best half, um, played really well and come away with nothing. 
um, you know, and they needed um, a 90th minute goal to come away from Torquay with a point last week, having played really, really well. So, you know, they're playing better, but not getting the points. So that would be the concern. But um, if performances are improving at least, then uh, that's good signs for Adam Murray. Now, we mentioned Dawkins' struggles earlier and we mentioned how Ryan Seager uh, has certainly hit his straps, uh, you know, after his move. Alfie Rutherford, of course, who is still a Dawkins Wanderers player but desperately needs game time and match fitness and to hit the back of the net again, he did on Saturday, as did Brandon Goodchip and also uh, Harry Parsons. As uh, Scotty Davis's slough, who'd been on a cracking run, finally came unstuck at the hands of Weymouth. Yeah, good win for Weymouth. Um, I've been quite impressed with uh, the, the business that they've done recently, uh, bringing in players like Rutherford and Parsons and Joe Cook as well from Dorking. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a good win for them at home, 3-0. And uh, a rare clean sheet as well for them. So uh, yeah, really good afternoon. And um you know, with those additions, if they can keep them beyond the, I think, short-term loans that they've got, maybe a month, uh, if they can keep them uh, for the duration of the season, then potentially they could uh, get themselves out of trouble. Now, it could be argued that Hell Hempstead and Farnborough, uh, who are both in mid-table in the National League South, both still have hopes of making the playoff places. Now, um, it was a rather surprising of me, uh, for me to read that... Uh, uh, a certain player from Farnborough left them to join Hemel uh, this week. And uh, he got on the score sheet on his debut, Joe. Yeah, he did. Uh, Michael Felivi uh, left Farnborough. Um, like you, I was a bit surprised. Um, obviously been at Farnborough in Chelmsford, uh, but moves on to his new club and got off the mark uh, on the first game. Uh, also a goal for defender Josh Hill. And uh, good win that against a tough Tombridge side. Never easy uh, to beat. So, uh, yeah, great start for, for them. Now, in the National League North, Dickie, the most notable thing for me from afar was just how many bloody games there were. Yeah, nine games in National League North. I think it's fair to say National League North teams have uh, forgone the FA Trophy in order to concentrate on their league form. Um, uh, but yeah, it made for a, a, a day with an awful lot going on and some potentially significant moves, uh, moves at the top of the table as well. Yeah, I, I remember a couple of weeks running. Within a month ago from now, we were talking about how just how inseparable... Tamworth and Scunthorpe are, as a result of yesterday's games, one of them is now eight points clear, Dickie. Fill us in. That's correct, yeah. And it's Tamworth who have got that eight-point lead over Scunthorpe um, as a, a, well, the benefit of them winning 1-0 away at Darlington yesterday while Scunthorpe losing 2-0 at Brackley Town. Um, a goal from Ben Akwai from uh, Tamworth, he uh, joined them in the summer from Banbury, so he knows National League North fairly well, having played in it last season. Um, and that's their 14th clean sheet in 28 games this season for Tamworth as well. Um, so uh, my mate Jazz Singh there not getting his gloves too dirty uh, in the Tamworth goal. Um, yeah, Brackley Town, they defeated Scunthorpe 2-0. 
Two goals in the space of three minutes early in the second half did it for Brackley there at St James Park. Alex Goodger, uh, the former Solihull centre half, he's back at his former club Brackley. He got the first. I dare say that was probably Edda from a set piece. And then Connor Hall, he's on loan from Solihull Moors, having joined them from Chorley in the summer. He got the second and 50 minutes. And uh, yes, yeah, Scunthorpe held to a blank there. Um, and it tees up intriguingly the meeting between Tamworth and Scunthorpe in the league at the old showground next Saturday. If Tamworth were to win there, that would be an 11-point gap. Now, Scunthorpe do have a game in hand. Um, so if Tamworth were to lose that one and then Scunthorpe were to win their game in hand, then the gap would be back down to two points. But it really isn't overstating it to say that it could be absolutely pivotal in the determining you know, where the title's going to go. I know if Tamworth get ahead in that and do get the 11-point lead, you've got that thing of, well, you know, they're looking over their shoulders. But I have to say, Tamworth's experience in Southern Central last year, where they matched Colville result for result over the final leg of the season to win on goal difference on the final day, means that, you know, this isn't unfamiliar territory for them. Um, and I would be... I wouldn't say confident, but I would back them to have the, the mentality to be able to deal with that and come through. So it really is a huge fixture next week. Dickie, you've just triggered a memory. I'm determined to get a positive mention of Aldershot Town into the pod this weekend. But uh, I once remember seeing Aldershot go head to head with one of their rivals to win the conference title. Eight points clear, and they came uh, up with a, a win thanks to a very late Scott Davies goal, which took them 11 points clear. And they did go on to win the title. I'm so sorry to mention that, Joe. Um, but uh, to be fair, that was, I think, in uh, in March, and we are only in January now. So uh, there may be a little bit more to run in that title race yet. There's a drop then from Scunthorpe of an incredible nine points to the third place team. And staggeringly, the next eight teams are separated by just four points. Um, the two at the head of that chasing pack, Brackley and Scarborough, have 45 points now, Dickie. But that's only as a result of yesterday's games where they had differing fortunes. Yes, they did. I mean, we mentioned Brackley there with their victory over Scunthorpe. Scarborough um, would actually be closer but for the fact that they lost 2-0 against Farsley Celtic yesterday in a Yorkshire derby, Scarborough went into that one in terrific form. They'd won five and drawn one of their last six. So that they, they were, um, I have to say, I thought they were favourites for that game. But Farsley, um, they're sitting pretty comfortably towards the middle of the table this year in uh, in National League North, which is some achievement for them. And yeah, they had goals um, in that one. Ben Atkinson, um, he's a bit of a club legend, along with his brother Chris. He's got a penalty after 31 minutes. And then Clayton Donaldson, um, the man who sits in the manager's chair, but also plays up front for Farsley. He got the second after 40 minutes and Scarborough couldn't do anything about that. 2-0 lead was maintained to the end and, uh, yeah, a big win for them against the Sea Dogs. Surely a fifth. They were involved in FA Trophy action as were Hereford in seventh. Curzon, who sits sixth on 43 points, got a one-all draw away at Boston. And then just looking outside of the playoff places, Alfreton uh, are the nearest bridesmaids at the moment, aren't they, Dickie? And they went away to uh, uh, the impressive Warrington, who've settled so well at this level. 
Yes, they did. Um, and there's an absolutely terrific story in this one. Um, Alfreton got games in hand, I have to say, um, uh, behind, uh, uh, even though they're a point outside the playoff places. They've only played 25, where some of the teams above them have played 27. They were looking good for three points yesterday as well. Liam Waldock had them uh, ahead with a penalty in the sixth minute, and then Billy Fuster scored in the 70th minute. And at that point, you think they're home and hosed. It wasn't to be that way, unfortunately, for them. Andre Wisdom, the former Liverpool and Derby County player, he's at Warrington this season. He pulled a goal back in the 89th minute. And then Danny Atherton, the Warrington goalkeeper, came up for a corner and headed the equaliser in the seventh minute of injury time. If that's not sensational enough, it is the second time this season that Danny Atherton has scored an injury time equaliser for Warrington, having come up from his own penalty area. So he's actually on two goals for the season, probably more than some of his teammates who actually play out. Um, but yeah, a, an incredible finish to that game yesterday. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Uh, goalkeepers scoring with their heads, eh, Joe? <laughs> I'm trying to bring back a good memory for you. I mean, it was a good memory at the time when Leeds yeah, it was Coverland a good memory at the time until if we'd have stopped it there, it would have been perfect, wouldn't it? But sadly, things went on, and that ended up in heartache too. I'm not trying to prolong your pain, Joe. I'm really not sorry, mate. Um, the best of the rest of the chasing pack in the National League North. Well, perhaps one of the season's underachievers, but they certainly didn't underachieve on Saturday. Did they, uh, Dickie, Chester, as they took on Gloucester City? Yeah, Chester came through this one quite comfortably. Um, Gloucester uh, haven't actually picked up a victory away from home this season. I think they've only picked up four points away from home in, in their entire campaign. So it probably wasn't a surprise to see Chester come through this one. Ewan Murray scored after 45 minutes and then goals in the second half from Tom Piers and George Glendon made it comfortable for Chester. But dare I say it, if Gloucester are going to get out of the predicament they're in at the bottom, um, it's games against the teams around them at the bottom of the table that they really need to claim points from. Um, it's not the ones against teams like Chester who are vying for playoff positions. Yeah, and interestingly, that's perfect uh, tee-up, really, Dickie, for uh, one that I know Joe wants to come in on. Kings Lynn are in the uh, fourth and final relegation place at the moment, and they'll be desperately looking at two or three teams above them to get past. And they took on one of those teams not too far away from them yesterday, didn't they? Uh, I know the game saw the days only sending off in the National League North, but just to tell us how Kings Lynn got on, Away at Buxton. Yeah, it was um, it was only a point in the end for Kings Lynn. Um, they'll be disappointed it was only one, um, because it looked as if they were going to get all three. Um, this was a game that I was actually following closely. Um, a smattering of talky references all over this one uh, for Kings Lynn. Uh, they signed Dylan Crow, uh, the right back, who was actually one of the answers in our quiz uh, last week. Uh, he uh, signed for Kings Lynn uh, permanently before the game. Uh, a couple of former Talky players as well, Tommy Hughes, uh, and one of those was uh, Gabby Rogers. He scored the second goal for Kings Lynn uh, from the penalty spot. I was actually went to school uh, with Gabby Rogers. He must have learned his penalty taking from me. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a two 0 a two 0 in front. They were Ben Stevens uh, with the opener. He was then sent off, um, and uh, it got worse for uh, Kings Lynn. Two goals uh, in four second half minutes for Buxton. 
uh, first from Diego Di Girolamo for the penalty spot, and then uh, Max Brogan with 20 minutes uh, remaining to uh, get a point. And Dickie, uh, both those sides ending up with a point from a two-all draw, and that's exactly what the side sandwiched in between them did as well. Banbury United uh, away at Blythe. Yes, uh, it was a two-all draw between Banbury and Blythe uh, yesterday in that fixture. Um, a pretty shocking start to the game for Blythe. Uh, Banbury scored after just 40 seconds. I think there is some footage of this one flying around on social media and it was a goal from Ethan Fitzhugh. Well, it was more Ethan suits you, um, I would say, from the way he was presented with the ball uh, on the, inside the Blythe penalty area and he made no mistake with that one. Uh, Harry Gardner, he was on the mark for Blythe last weekend, so they seem to have a bit of a find in him. He was on the mark again after 40 minutes. And then Reese Evans, a fullback, scored after 72 minutes and looked like Blythe had completed the turnaround, but no, it wasn't done. Ken Charles scored a 77th minute equaliser for Banbury. They head back off to Oxfordshire with additional point to the against their name and uh, yeah Blythe the disappointment of only collecting one there under new manager John Shaw when they thought they were on for three well I don't know how we've managed to do it but we've best we've left the best game of the National League North to last today might be the furthest we've gone into the pod without mentioning Danny Waldron but um uh, Russell Olympic um now leapfrog Spennymore in the table um and I don't think you'd have got great odds on Russell being Above Spennymore at this stage of the season, tell us uh, tell us more about that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose one of the notable things in here is is I guess the collapse in Spennymore's form. I mean, early on in the season they were up towards the playoff places, but I'm just looking back down through the fixtures. Um, the last time Spennymore had a victory was on the 11th of November against Kings Lynn. It's been mostly losses with just the occasional draw since then. It's no surprise to see why they've slid down the table on that basis. Um, and yeah, Rushall are a side who, um, uh, you know, they back themselves against every, anybody that they're playing and they, they got off to a great start yesterday. You mentioned him there, Danny Waldron on the mark after five minutes. He then got a penalty after 14 minutes. Uh, so it was 2-0. Callum Ross got a goal back for Spennymore before half-time. And then there was a goal for Lebrun and Becker to equalise at 2-2 in the 52nd minute. Um, then Sam McClintock, uh, former uh, Boston United, Halifax and Telford player, he was on the mark after 59 minutes. I think that might have been his first goal for the picks. Um, there was a, then a subsequent goal for Mitchell Clark in the 89th minute. And even though Sam Fielding got a goal back, uh, to make it 4-3 in the fifth minute of injury time. It probably wasn't that close by the end of it. And, uh, yeah, a really, really good win for Rushall again. Good stuff. That completes our roundup of the National League North. Before we uh, finish off, listeners, we always like to take uh, a little look ahead to uh, the games that are coming up in midweek. And uh, there's uh, a number of games in the uh, in the National League on Tuesday night. Six, in fact. Chesterfield against Aldringham is certainly one that uh, stands out. And uh, uh, Woking will take on Gateshead. Uh, Dorking Wanderers, shorn of players through injury and suspension, uh, will travel up to York City, who think they've got a great chance of uh, three points there in that one. And, uh, well, um, Johnny, coming back to you, um, you've seen a lot of after the Lord Mayor shows from uh, the likes of Maidstone and all the shot talked about this week. 
Hampton and Richmond have got to do it all again in uh, on Tuesday night at home to uh, uh, Mr. Jeffers and Co. We certainly do, yes. And obviously off the back of uh, the victory on penalties this weekend, it's straight into Tuesday night. And I must admit, I don't think Mel Gwinnett and his men are going to be having much time for any training, I think. It'll be straight into that fixture. Um, and St Albans, historically, I'm obviously we're in the playoff final last season. It's going to be another tough game. I think one thing for Hampton and Richmond that has been... Um, you could argue has been a good thing possibly is obviously the unbeaten run that has been talked about for many weeks now uh, was put to an end um, last weekend by Braintree. Um, It now gives Hampton and Richmond a little bit of a clean slate, if you will. Um, You know, that that overhanging record is no longer a thing and Hampton and Richmond can now focus fully on the league and trying to convincingly get three points every week if they can. Because it did feel towards the end there of of that unbeaten run that Hampton and Richmond were grinding out results. But I think now going into St Albans on Tuesday night, they can go in with a fresh mindset and look to try and get three points at home once again. Um, But St Albans are very tough side. As you know, Sean Jeffers back on the score sheet. He's certainly one you're going to want to be keeping quiet if you can. Um, But obviously... With the draw for the FA Trophy being on Monday, I think possibly some Beavers fans might have their heads turned to the FA Trophy at the moment. Good stuff. Joe, four other games in the National League South. Are you going to be at any of those two in the Southwest? And uh, any of them stand out for you? Yeah, there is. Um, we'll finally be over to uh, say that uh, Louis Slough played against Slough Rob, uh, Taunton host uh, Slough Town at home. And uh, some big uh, games for, um, I see Dartford have got to go to Truro. Um, obviously, we haven't mentioned yet, but uh, Dartford actually sacked Alan Dowson uh, this week. Uh, oh, good one. Was, yes. Yeah. He was relieved of his duties. Um, so it'd be interesting to see uh, who goes in there. But uh, Was yeah. that the most, a question for you on that? I don't know if you saw the announcement. Was that the most heartfelt announcement ever about a management manager leaving? It didn't even get mentioned until the final two lines of the statement, did it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's never... Um, obviously, they were in the playoffs last year um, and they've struggled this year. They've got a good squad. Um, and it never felt right there, if I'm honest. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you nowadays, the uh, most of the press releases are not actually written by someone who actually, um, you know, cares about uh, feeling or the, or the club. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously for Alan Dawson, we wish him the best. And hopefully, he's back in uh, management soon. I'm sure there'll be a, a club in the National League South that comes calling uh, before the end of the season. Yeah, Dicky, five games in the National League North as well. One of them's just caught my eye. I made my first trip for many years to Peterborough Sports earlier in the season. I potentially could go to that one against Farsley Celtic. Uh, what about the other ones? Yeah, and you'd have to say that the home sides look favourites in most of these, uh, given it's Chester against Buxton. Uh, Chester's home form is pretty good. And um, Buxton, are, are really, I would say, almost on the point of being a bit desperate for points, I have to say. Their form is pretty poor this season. Um, then you've got Chorley against Gloucester. Chorley going great guns. And I mentioned Gloucester, just four draws away from home and no wins. So you'd have to favour the home side there. 
Peterborough versus Farsley is an interesting one. Again, Peterborough in good form, but Farsley have had the boost of that win against Scarborough. Scarborough hosts Boston. Um, that's an intriguing one. Again, you'd have to favour Scarborough given recent form, but given that they lost on Saturday, a bit of a hiccup. And then Spennymore against Alfreton is potentially the one where I could be, you know, be more tempted to back the away side there again. But, you know, given what I've just said about Spennymore's form, they really, really do desperately need to get a W against their name fairly quickly. Great stuff. Well, I, I don't know about you, Chats, but I've really enjoyed it today. A thorough roundup of all the league and cup action. Johnny, it's been a pleasure to have you back on and we'll officially give you the invite now. Every time Hampton Richmond progress another round in the FA Trophy, you're welcome to come back because we just love your enthusiasm and your positivity. Thank you very much, Rob and gents. Yeah, no, I'm I'm delighted delighted to be on, back on the podcast. And obviously, fingers crossed. I hope hope to be back on soon, and I'll be uh, awaiting that draw on Monday. And also, incredibly positive, enthusiastic, and cheerful, uh, Dicky. And Joe, despite the fact that none of our teams won at the weekend. Uh, thanks, Dickie. No, you're very welcome, Rob. Yeah, we get another stab at it on Tuesday. I'm not off to a National League game. I'm heading to Stamford in Lincolnshire for a, a Southern Central game. But uh, yeah, try and extend our unbeaten run to 16 if we can manage it. And Joe, when are you next going to watch Torquay play to shout Gary out from the side? Um, well, if I if there's any luck, never. Um, but um, <laughs> not within the next couple of weeks. Um, I uh, there's a couple of games. I will actually be going to see um, a couple of the uh, Yeovil games uh, coming up, but uh, which is probably a good thing at the moment. Um, but yeah, I will be back on the terraces soon. I'm sure I heard a heckler shout turncoat there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us as ever. Do subscribe if you want this podcast pinged to your inbox the minute. Luke Edwards, our wonderful producer, has uh, worked his magic. That's very often before we send any tweets out. So it is worthwhile doing. Play the theme tune, Luke.